Chapter Seventeen of The Heart of Philura by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen. Where is Sylvia? Milly Orne opened the front door of the old Eggleston house to Miss Bennett's ring early the next morning. The girl looked very fresh and rosy as she smiled a discreet welcome. "'You're to come right upstairs,' she said, interrupting Miss Bennett's confident progress towards the living room. "'Everything's ready for you up there.' Miss Bennett bristled slightly. "'I always used to sew for Miss Minerva in the setting room,' she observed, as she followed Milly up the stair. "'The sewing machine was there, and everything handy. I remember I made her wedding dress.' "'What's the matter?' she interrupted herself in a loud, buzzing whisper. "'Is anybody sick?' Milly shook her head. "'They don't like any noise about the house,' she explained, as she ushered the dressmaker into a small room at the back of the house. "'Noise?' repeated Miss Bennet, adjusting her church toilette with little pulls and pats. "'Noise? Well, I declare, I didn't realise that I was, say, noisy.' Where's Mrs. Hill? Milly explained that Mrs. Hill had not yet breakfasted, and would Miss Bennet have some coffee before beginning work? Might be as good a way as any to get acquainted, mused the little dressmaker. I can't sew half as well for strangers as for folks I know, so I don't mind if I do. A bright pink overspread Milly's young face. She laid a coaxing hand on Miss Bennet's arm. I'll bring it to you up here, she said, on a tray. That would be pleasanter, wouldn't it? Well, I want to know, piped Miss Bennet. That stylish idea never came out of your head, Milly Orne. And that's the kind Mrs. Hill is, eh? Oh, well, I don't know as I care. Forewarned's forearmed. And I can be full as sarcastic and like that as the next one. But I don't want no coffee. You can tell Mrs. Hill when you go downstairs. Tell her I ate my breakfast at home, same as usual. And you can say Miss Malvina Bennett's perfectly able to walk downstairs soon as it comes dinner time. When Mrs. Hill finally appeared at the door of the back bedroom, which she had ordered Milly to make ready for the sewing, it was to find Miss Malvina Bennett rocking her best frizzed front and her black Henrietta back and forth in front of the window with well-simulated ease. "'You're the seamstress,' inferred Mrs. Hill briskly. "'Miss uh, Bennett, our grocer, told me of you. You can make a plain morning gown, I suppose?' Miss Bennett gazed searchingly at the strange woman's tall, stout figure over the top of her spectacles. She saw at a glance that she was wearing a real linen hand-embroidered dress. <laughs> Made up from an imported robe pattern, she told herself. Cost fifteen, ninety-eight, I shouldn't wonder. Aloud, she said dryly, I guess I could make out if I was to try. I sewed for the best people since I was fifteen. Miss Deaconess Buckthorn, Mrs. Revan Pettibone, and... I have a pattern, interrupted Mrs. Hill, which may serve to guide you. Miss Bennett negligently indicated a pile of gaudily illustrated fashion books. I brought them along, thinking likely you wouldn't have seen them, 
she said loftily. They're the latest from New York and Paris. All you got to do is pick and choose a picture you like the look of. I don't need no patterns. I got my own system. The dress is for my son's wife, Mrs. Walter Hill. You, um, I suppose Mrs. Pettibone has spoken to you of Mrs. Hill? Miss Bennet shook her head, her lips compressed to a thin line. I don't never gossip, she said decidedly, in the shop or when I go out, which ain't often, and only to accommodate special, like of course to you. I ain't no news gatherer. Anybody that knows me'll tell you that. Mrs. Hill turned abruptly from the bureau drawer whose contents she was laying out upon a small table. That is a very good rule for a seamstress to make for herself, she said coldly. Tain't a bad one for other folks when it comes to that, cackled Miss Bennet. But I ain't what you call a seamstress. I'm a regular dressmaker. Now, if you'll just bring the young lady here till I can get her measures, I can be drafting a pattern. I don't like to let my time go to waste. Miss Bennet's head was tilted slightly to one side. She gazed aggressively at the woman in the hand-embroidered linen gown. For two cents, she told herself, I'd walk down them stairs and out the front door. She don't like my looks and she hates like poison to fetch the young woman where I can talk to her. Like enough, she's got something id and she's trying desperate hard to pretend she ain't. She's a hard, selfish woman or I lose my guess. Oh, but maybe I been sent. Who knows? Aloud, she said briskly, Can't do nothing till I take them measures. Mrs. Hill moved toward the door. I'll call my daughter, she said, her full dark eyes sweeping the little dressmaker with cold distaste. Left to herself, Miss Bennet took a leisurely survey of the materials laid out upon the bed and bureau, and her spirits rose. Anyhow, she ain't no way stingy, she said aloud, as she measured off breadths of thin blue stuff, lengths of embroidery, and noted approvingly the number of spools of silk, bolts of ribbon, and cards of buttons. That goods'll make up real pretty and dressy once I get my shears into it. Ten minutes more passed happily in a search through the fashion books, in pursuit of what Miss Bennet called negligees. These were numerous and attractive, but the study of them palled after a while. "'My stars alive!' exclaimed the little dressmaker indignantly. "'That woman must think I'm working by the piece. Well, she'll find she's good and mistaken. When I go out special to accommodate, it's by the day, whether I set sewing or idle.' She tiptoed cautiously to the door and applied her ear to the keyhole. No sound came from the passage without. Then she boldly opened the door. I didn't make no contract to stay in this one room constant that I know of, she muttered as she stepped out. Land, I guess they clean forgot I was here. Open doors to the right and left revealed bedrooms into which breeze and sun streamed cheerfully. Miss Bennet's bird-like glance took swift note of snowy bed linen and the glisten of silver and ivory toilet articles as she stole hesitatingly toward the stair. 
she was thinking she'd find Millie. Millie would know. When suddenly a voice from the hall below broke the silence. It was low and tense. Walter! Walter, what are you doing? What am I doing? What do you suppose? Reading a dreary novel as usual, came the reply in a man's drawling voice. Where is Sylvia? I left her here with you. I can't find her anywhere. You left her? Poor old girl. Isn't she to stroll in the garden even if she feels like it? No, not alone. You know, I never... Yes, I know. And see here, mother, let me tell you you're making a big mistake. You say she went out? When? Not ten minutes ago. Good Lord, mother, one would think... Go look for her. Quick! Quick, I say! Take your horse! Miss Bennet beat a noiseless retreat at the sound of a hurried foot on the stair. She sat turning over the leaves of a fashion book by the window when Mrs. Hill appeared. The woman's large face wore a determined smile. Uh, has, uh, have you seen anything of young Mrs. Hill? she asked, her eyes searching the room. I thought perhaps... Oh, no, no, she ain't been here, replied Miss Bennet. Maybe she's gone to a walk. I seen somebody in a pink dress a spell ago, cutting across the back lot. It's nice and cool under the trees on a day like this. Mrs. Hill's plump hand sought her heart with an uncertain gesture. She sank down in a chair while a flood of dull purple swept over her pallid face. It's very warm, she stammered thickly. I feel the heat. I guess you've been dashing round considerable looking for young Miss Hill, hazarded Miss Bennet kindly. Why not let me and Millie go look for her? We're both of us light on our feet. Fleshy folks that wears their clothes too tight. The woman was staring at her dully. Yes. Go, quickly. You saw her. She had on a pink dress. I can't. Millie Orne dropped the spoon with which she was stirring some fragrant compound at Miss Bennet's first explanatory word. The dressmaker stood staring in amazement at the girl's swift flight in the direction she had indicated. "'I want to know,' cogitated Miss Bennet, as she followed at a more leisurely pace, "'what in under the canopy can be the matter with that young Mrs. Hill to set everybody by the ears like that? She must be crazy or something.' With due regard to the black Henrietta cloth in which she was attired, Miss Malvina avoided the fence at the rear of the old pasture. There was a gate she knew farther on, and beyond the gate, a path leading through a daisied meadow. "'Well, I declare,' she murmured, "'if I was free and idle to walk right out in the flowers like this, seems as though I'd be happy. I dunno when I've been out in the real country like this, a-walkin'. There were wild strawberries ripening in the meadow. Miss Malvina could smell them as she hurried along the path, her black skirt swishing the tall grass on either side. What I give to have on an old calico dress and wade right into the grass a strawberry in, she said to herself. I ain't had a chance to do nothing like that since I can remember. And wild strawberry shortcake with cream. Mm. There was a glint of pink 
showing beside a big grey rock a dozen rods ahead. Miss Malvina strained her faded eyes hopefully, but it was only a wild rose in a glory of evanescent bloom. Around the shoulder of the hill was the placid pool known as Eggleston's Pond. I wonder if she could have gone there, pondered Miss Malvina, and all unconsciously quickened her steps. The water lilies had been blow. Maybe, maybe. And now Miss Malvina caught the glint of blue water amid the soft green of willows, crowding like eager children to the water's edge among the sturdy trunks of oaks and beeches. And yes, she saw a motionless blur of warm rose on the brink of the pond. There was a big rock there, shouldering boldly out into the pool, and beneath its shadow the water lay deep and dark. The little dressmaker stooped to gather a spray of wild roses, her heart beating in her throat. I gotta be kind of careless, as if I was out for pleasure and just running across her casual, she told herself. Right, no telling what's in that poor young creature's mind. A settin' there lonesome on the edge of that water. But from what I seen and heard already, I should say she didn't have it none too pleasant to home. What with a husband like that Walter and a ma-in-law? At Miss Bennet's approach, the girl lifted dull, abstracted eyes from her fixed contemplation of the pool. But she did not speak. Good land, cried Miss Malvina briskly. You certainly have found a nice, cool place to set down and rest, ain't you? It's real warm in the sun. I suppose you're young, Mrs. Hill. Uh, my name's Bennett, Miss Malvina Bennett, and I come up from the village this morning a purpose to make a dress for you. But come to take your measures, we couldn't find you nowhere. And your ma, she says... The girl hunched a sullen shoulder toward the loquacious little dressmaker her dark eyes again seeking the silent, mysterious depths on whose brink she was crouching. Oh, you won't mind if I sit down a minute to get cooled off, will you? continued Miss Malvina rather breathlessly. I says to your ma-in-law, I'll step out and cast me eye around, I says. She was all et up and excited. I suppose she kind of hated to see me a sitting there idle by the day at that. But of course, I couldn't put my shears to the goods without I took your measures. Thinks I, I bet that young lady's gone after water lilies. Oh, ain't they handsome, though. Makes me think of a night-blooming cactus at Mrs. Deaconess Scrimger had one time. You ever see one? They call it serious, cause it don't never open sect at night. But I think I like the day-blooming flowers best. They're cheerful. There's a regular little sunburst in every one of them lilies. Do you ever take notice? Oh, land! I wish I had a scow. We'd get some of them to take home. There used to be a fishing boat tied to the willows and t'other side, but I see it sunk to the bottom. The girl sighed uncertainly. It was a piteous sound, suggesting a spent sob. Miss Malvina put out her worn little hand and touched the girl gently. Now, you come on home with me, Miss Hill, she said coaxingly, and we'll make up the manse and goods into the prettiest dress we can find in the pictures. There's a lady in colours on the outside cover who looks a lot like you. 
i don't want any dress said the girl in a low smothered voice go away please and don't tell mother where i am miss malvina pushed back her best frizzed front from a forehead on which beads of perspiration were beginning to glisten well if i do she said desperately like as not you get dizzy and fall in that there water it's awful deep right by that stone i know cause a boy he got drownded there when i was a girl land if i was philura rice or her as twas she's mrs reverend pettibone now she'd know what to say she'd tell you cheerful about the all encircling good with everything you want in it ready to your hand if it's folks you want special or clothes and like that philura found her husband that way he was right there all the time being the pastor but he'd no more a thought of marrying philura rice and i'll stick to that to my dying day but believing the way she done sort o drawed him right to her he couldn't no more a help being drawed than a tack can help sticking to one of these ere magnums oh you know they're shaped like a horseshoe and painted red i got one to my house with nails hanging to it like they was glued the girl had turned and was staring wide-eyed you say she found her husband was he lost when where was he miss malvina drew a deep breath we can be talking while we walk along she suggested cheerfully maybe somebody or other will come on a sudden if we sit here any longer the girl rose obediently she seemed to have forgotten the dark lure of the water well, you'll have to go and see mrs pettibone for yourself went on malvina bennett ask her to tell you i don't rightly understand all there is to it but i nigh as i could make out the reverend pettibone he was in the encircling good everybody's in it you and me and your husband even your ma-in-law though like enough she don't sense it most folks don't he was in it and philura being so to say alone in the world and kind of lonesome just drawed him to her by her thoughts it's enough to scare a body to think what they can do be just thinking careless i says to philura i wouldn't dares to advertise for no man that way says i for fear he'd show up and i wouldn't like him when he come oh look there if that ain't your ma-in-law she sees us now you want to chirk right up don't go off no more by yourself when you get that new dress all made up stylish come down to the village and see mrs reverend pettibone she's an awful interesting woman and she'll tell you how to get anything out of the atmosphere you want oh and say um, i passed the post office on my way home i thought i'd mention it in case you was writing to any of your friends the older mrs hill was close upon them sylvia she cried her breath coming in great gasps sylvia the girl looked at her from under mutinous brows oh good land mrs hill wasn't no need of your getting all et up expostulated miss bennett i ain't going to charge you a cent for the time i spent walking out me and young mrs hill enjoyed every minute of it didn't we mrs hill 
a looking at the water lilies and all it was dusk with a glimmer of fireflies in the dark trees when miss malvina carrying a flat paper parcel hurried along the narrow road leading to the village she had done a good day's work she knew and in the pocket of her dress reposed a letter slipped unseen into her hand as she draped the runaway of the morning with becoming folds of the dark blue stuff i can finish this ere dress to home in my shop she had explained to her new patron and i'd a sight rather do it not relishing my vittles et solitary off a tray like i was sick a bed which thank the lord i'm well and expect to be d v as miss deaconess buckthorn always says pious like i suppose it stands for don't ventilate and i will say too many draughts ain't good for my neurology arrived at last under the glaring arc-light which the enterprising citizens of innisfield had placed directly in front of the post-office miss malvina slowly drew the letter from her pocket if i was to give one look at the writin she reflected i couldn't no more help speaking of it than a sparrow can help chirpin so i guess i'll just shut my eyes whiles i a depressing sense of the irreparable swept over miss malvina as she slowly turned away after hearing the letter flop smartly against the bottom of the official box tain't human not to wonder who it's too she breathed and i don't suppose she'd a cared a mite neither me taking an interest and like that anyway that mar-in-law of her'n'll never get her hands on to it it's u s mail from now on and i done my best End of chapter seventeen